Welcome to the Wealth Trifecta, where we explore all things health, wealth, and happiness. This podcast is designed to uplift and ignite your journey to financial independence and lifestyle design. I'm your host, Holly Morphew, personal finance expert, accredited financial counselor, and life enthusiast. True wealth is the convergence of health, happiness, and good fortune. And what I love most about wealth building is that it doesn't matter where you start. What matters is that you start. Wealth is for everyone, and that includes you. Welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Trifecta podcast, where we talk all things health, wealth, and happiness. In today's episode, I interview a very special guest who is an estate planning attorney based in Houston, Texas, Shalini Kodaspodi, and I had a really fun conversation about estate planning and why anyone over the age of 18 needs one. And while it might sound like something that, you know, why do I need to hear this? Or that's just for wealthy people or estate planning is really just for old people. That's actually not true. And we talk about all of the reasons why having an estate plan can help you protect your wealth and also help protect the people that you love in case you pass away early or when you pass away, period. I loved this conversation because we talked about some of the things that come up, like what happens if you don't know where the will is or, you know, what happens if, you know, your parents die without a will and then what does that look like? And she really covers in a very easy to understand way how you can create an estate plan and why it's important. So we had a lovely conversation. I'm so excited to share her with you. Just a little bit of background on Shalini. Shalini is a highly respected estate planning attorney with over 18 years of experience. She has a passion for helping individuals and families secure their legacy and protect their assets. As a trusted advisor, Shalini has guided countless clients through the complex legal process associated with wills, trusts, probate, and more. Her expertise extends to creating personalized estate plans tailored to meet each client's unique needs and goals. She's a creative problem solver, adept at finding innovative solutions to even the most complex estate planning challenges. And beyond her legal acumen, Shalini's greatest strength lies in her genuine care for her clients. And that really shines through during our interview. She firmly believes that estate planning is not just about legal documentation, but also about securing peace of mind for the future. With her friendly and compassionate nature, she strives to build long-lasting relationships with her clients. Without further ado, let's go to the show. Shalini, welcome to the show. Thank you, Holly, for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, I'm an estate planning attorney, and what I do in my firm is we help families and business owners protect their assets and leave a legacy so that they don't end up in probate court. However, (laughs) I will say this. If you are one of the 69% of Americans that do not have a plan, well, and you find yourself in probate, we will still guide you through that challenging probate process to ensure kind of the conflict transition of wealth. Yes. So I'm going to ask this question right out of the gate. Who needs an estate plan? And I'm going to be very simple in how I answer this. It's going to be anyone over the age of 18. 
Okay. Why do we need estate plans? Why bother? Why spend the money? Why spend the brain power? Well, the first thing is that we none of us have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't. We don't. We we don't know whether we will ever become incapacitated. Ever we'll ever need someone to make decisions on our behalf or take care of us. So the first thing is that everyone over the age of eighteen, according to our law, they're an adult, right? They get to make decisions for them for themselves. So that's why I say everyone over the age of eighteen needs some kind of estate planning. And I find that estate planning is one of those terms that people confuse. A lot. People assume that, oh, estate planning is for the wealthy, right? It's just for really rich people, people who have what we so what we call estates, right? Estate planning is for everyone. It is for anyone who really wants to transfer their wealth, anyone who wants to ensure that they put a proactive plan in place that would ensure that they are taken care of in the event of their incapacity or their disability, and that their loved ones are taken care of in the event of their death. Yes. I'm curious, what are the components of an estate plan? Because we all know about the will, right? The will tells the world where your, you know, your assets go and where the kids go and that kind of thing. But are there other components to an estate plan? Oh, absolutely. So a will is one thing, right? A will is that document that we've all heard takes care of what happens to our assets when we pass. That's really what it is, right? It's just that few pieces of paper that says, hey, this, these are the people that I want to inherit and this is how I want them to inherit, right? An estate plan obviously encompasses so much more, right? What happens to you if you needed someone to make medical decisions for you? What happens to you if you um, were to ever become incapacitated and you needed a guardian, right? So an estate plan covers much more than just your, your passing, right? It's about your death. It's about, it's about your disability and capacity. It's about your control. How much control do you want over what happens to you or over what happens to your assets, right? Who takes care of your kids if you have kids, if something were to happen to you, right? What happens if someone passes away and they don't have an estate plan? The state has one for them. And so every state has their own probate laws. So in, in Texas, ours is called probate. So we go to probate and then a judge, a stranger, decides what would happen to their loved ones, decides what would happen to their, to their assets, right? De de determines who the heirs are and how the assets should be divided. And is that a costly process? Oh, gosh, yes. So, you know, we, we, we say that in Texas, you know, probate is, I mean, uh, we, are, we are in a probate friendly state, right? It takes us less time to do probate. And that may be so compared to other states, but it does require your time, your energy, your attention, um, your money, right? You do have to pay a lawyer to file an application for probate. It takes your time. You have to spend time gathering all of the assets, putting everything together, determining who the heirs are, right? If you die without, without a will. So at the end of the day, here's my definition of probate right? Probate is a lawsuit that you file against yourself with your own money for the benefit of your creditors. That's a powerful statement. Yep. Because that's one of the first things we're required to do. We file probate. We have to give your creditors notice and they, and they get paid first, right? There's an order of payouts according to law. So they get paid first and your beneficiaries inherit last. Hmm. So I know there are people listening Thing who, you know, understand, okay, I need an estate plan, but we also have a lot of listeners who own assets. And when I say assets, I mean, they own businesses, they own property, they might have cash value life insurance policies. 
Can you talk about, let's talk about what a trust is, because I know that there are different kinds of trusts and there are different ways to hold assets. And I know that there are those listening who are wondering, well, do, do I need a trust or do I need an estate plan? So can you talk about the difference between those two things? So an estate plan for me encompasses all of that, a trust, a will, all your incapacity documents, everything, right? And a trust really, in essence, can take the place of a will, right? So it's, you know, easier to do a trust or a will, right? So if you do want to avoid probate and you're like, hey, I don't want my family to go through that court process. I don't want them to be stressed out with, you know, going through that. Then a trust may be the the route that you want to take. And there are there are different types of trust. There are all kinds of types of trust and, and they accomplish different goals depending on what your goals are. Um, no two estate plans look alike, right? Everyone's circumstances are different. But let's just talk about the two different main types of trust. One would be an irrevocable trust and one would be a revocable trust. A revocable trust would be just, you know, a trust that we do. It, it takes the place of a will. It allows you to have full control of your assets while you're alive. So you would essentially create this trust and fund all of your assets, whether it's your business, it's your real property, um, your personal assets, all of them will be funded or moved into that trust owned by your trust. You are the trustee, you're the manager of that trust during your lifetime, but you have the ability to buy, sell, refinance, do basically whatever you want with your assets, right? Um, you can revoke that trust if you wanted to. You could make changes to your trust if you wanted to. And that's kind of one of the, it's called a revocable living trust. It's kind of one of the, the basic facets or the basic tools that we use in estate planning. And then we have irrevocable trusts, right? Which are trust, as the name suggests, it cannot easily be revoked, right? I'm a lawyer, so I always say it cannot easily be revoked, mm -hmm. right? There's always, a, there's always a way to do things, but it's more difficult, right? You have less control over the assets when you have an irrevocable trust. You may create an irrevocable trust in a situation where you are trying to plan for Medicaid. You may do an irrevocable trust if you have a taxable estate. And so you're avoiding having to pay that 40% estate tax, right? There are just different ways in which you may utilize an irrevocable trust. You may say, I have you know, a lot of assets and I want to shield some of my assets from potential creditors, right? We may be able to create that asset protection with an irrevocable trust. So it really just depends on your goals and your objectives and what tools we want to utilize. Okay. Great. Thank you for explaining that. Now, in your experience, and I know you've been an attorney for, is it 18 years now? Yes. And that's a long career so far. Have you, do you have any stories that you can share with us about things that have happened where people, you know, didn't have an estate plan or didn't have a trust and that would have really come in handy for their heirs? How long do we have for this podcast? Because we can be here all day with my stories. I started my career in litigation, right? So I kind of know what happens when we go to court. And I, when I became a lawyer, that's where I wanted to be. That's where I thought, okay, great. This is where I could be best use my talents, right? Until I realized that I was the only one enjoying it. My clients did not enjoy being in court, right? And so I really wanted to serve my clients and helping them and their loved ones stay out of court, stay out of conflict, right? And death is one of those things where it creates a lot of conflict just because the emotions are running high. There are a lot of feelings, right, at that time. And what actually, what caused me to really 
focus on estate planning as what I really wanted to do and what I felt my calling was is when I handled a case for a young family. Mom and dad were young and as most young families think they don't need estate planning or they don't have enough assets to even warrant an estate plan and they had a two-year-old and they unfortunately their car was hit by an 18-wheeler and mom and dad passed but their two-year-old survived. And my firm got involved because both sides of the family were arguing over who should have guardianship of this two-year-old, right? It didn't arise out of assets. It didn't arise out of, out, of, out of malice, right? It was because mom's parents felt they could have done best with, for their granddaughter. Dad's parents felt they could have done best for their granddaughter. And that's how that conflict ar um, arose. And I realized in that moment that that could have all been avoided. Had mom and dad um, done a very simple estate plan and appointed the guardians, people that they would they would want to raise their daughter and not leave it up to a judge, a stranger to make that determination. What can someone expect who, you know, knows that they need to create an estate plan? What can they expect in terms of how long it takes to create one? Are there is it complicated? What does it cost to create an estate plan? So for me, the first thing is finding someone that you can work with, right? I like to think of estate planning as not just a transactional thing, right? It's not, hey, go to a lawyer, prepare some documents. You never hear from that lawyer again, right? For me, it's all, all about building that relationship, right? Just like it is for you, Holly, right? And when, you're, when you have that relationship with your, with your own clients, you're able to serve them for years and years. That's how I feel about estate planning, right? And I work together with you know, your financial advisor with your CPA so we can all work together to create that plan that, that really will achieve your objectives. So it's not transactional based, right? It's relationship based. So one, you should find that person that you can, you can be around for <laughs> years and years and years. And the process really is being open and honest. I tell my clients all the time, I'm like, I am deep in your underwear drawer. And that's the truth. I am, I am way down there. I know your dirty laundry. I know the people in your life that you will never want to have a part of, you know, whatever it is that you, you have going on, whether it's being a decision maker or whether it is to inherit some part of your assets. And I know all, of, all the people that you would never want to raise your children. You're like, hey, I have this aunt and then she, she should never be allowed to raise my kids, right? I'm deep in your underwear drawer. And so you have to be willing to, to be open with your estate planning attorney because we have seen things. We, we, we know what the law is. We, we can tell you what the outcomes are possibly going to be if you choose this or that. So it's about being open with them so that we can help you along in that decision-making process, right? You have to be willing to discuss what your financial situation looks like, right? And, you know, when, when I read your book, Holly, it's true that people have a lot of shame around their finances and so when you're dealing with an estate planning attorney you have to throw that shame out the window right you have to you know come to terms with your well, this is what my financial situation looks like now this is what I hope that it's going to look like in the future these are the steps I'm taking towards maybe improving my, my financial situation but we all are help trying are there to help you kind of put a plan that would suit you right put a put a plan in place that would suit you so you kind of have to throw out that, that shame and really have frank conversations with your attorney so that they can really help you put that plan in place. Estate planning can be very simple, right? For someone with not a lot of assets or not a lot of com complicated situations, 
or it can, can get very complex, especially when you get into, you know, discussing irrevocable trusts, special needs trusts, things like that. And so the, and obviously the fees would range, right? So everything we do is flat fee agreed to in advance, right? There's no surprises. And that goes again with the relationship that I'm building with my clients. I never want my clients to feel that, that they are going to have to pay to pick up the phone and call me or to email me and they're going to, you know, get a bill in the mail for that, right? I never want them to feel that way. So they never pay for those things, right? They pay a flat fee for whatever it is that I we are designing for them, okay? And that range can range anywhere from, you know, $1,000 to, you know, $10,000, $15,000, right? It just really depends on on what it is you hope to accomplish, right? And it can even be cheaper than that, right? Because we do grad plans, which is for our high school grads who are heading off to college. And they just may, may need some, you know, powers of attorneys and things like that, right? Because they're adults now. Their parents don't get to make decisions for them anymore. Right. And so we do plans for that, just a couple hundred dollars for those types of things. So it really just depends on where you're at and and how you really want to build your plan, right? That's really all up to you. And I know I said a lot. <laughs> you know, you're really speaking my language. And I love that you're talking about putting your financial team together and working with the financial team and, you know, how important transparency is and the relationship piece of it. You know, I've always felt like with my financial team, whomever is guiding me in these important financial decisions, investment decisions, my taxes, I want to be able to pick up the phone and know that they're going to answer and not charge me a thousand dollars for a, you know, yeah. 20 minute conversation. And that kind of stuff happens. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And my clients actually, we, do, we don't even play phone tag, right? There are so many attorneys, you would call them and say, oh yeah, but I tried calling you back and I, I didn't get through to you. And there's this phone tag situation happening. I, I have a system in place on my office. You will be scheduled for a call if I am in a meeting with another client, right? So we have those systems in place to ensure that you are always going to, to be able to speak with me. Now, I know that you're based in Texas, but you know, our listeners are global and in, you know, in all the different states in the U.S. How important is it to work with an estate planning attorney that's in your state? Oh, absolutely important, right? While I do, I work with, with clients all over, but I will co-counsel with an attorney that is local to that state if I am not licensed in that state. And the reason for that is because every state has their own probate laws. Every state has their state specific things, right? So you want to make sure that the state where you're resident, first of all, is where you're doing your planning and that you do have, whether it's a co-counsel, whether it's, you know, an attorney in your state working with you to ensure that you put a, a proper plan together. Mm. That does not mean I want to say it out there, Holly, because so many people procrastinates on estate planning because, oh yeah, but in two years, I'm going to move to another state. So I'm not going to do any estate planning until I move. Do not put off what you could do today. Okay. So get your planning done. Yes. Then an attorney in that state can review your plan if whenever you move, but do not wait and do not put this off because that is number one, right? We always procrastinate about doing these things. Hmm. Has there been anything that has surprised you over your career related to estate planning or just law in general or, you know, working with clients? I wouldn't say surprise, but it's human nature that we all have those things that are important to us, right? So, you know, over the years, I have clients who come to me and they may have seen what probate looks like, right? Because maybe their parents have died and they've gone through that and they come to me and they say, Shalini, 
I'm spending the money. I'm being proactive about this because I do not want my kids to go through what I went through. Right. And then there are the people who are like, yeah, but I can't afford this. Right. And prefer to spend their mon their money elsewhere. Right. Not understanding that there's a cost involved for their loved ones when they pass, because there's one guarantee. And the guarantee is one, yes, we will pass. And there's also another guarantee that we have that we will pay taxes, right? When that happens, we don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know when that's going to happen. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you, you put that plan in place because that gives you peace of mind, yes. But it also ensures that you can leave a legacy and not a burden because someone will have to take care of your affairs when you pass, right? Someone will have to do it. And so you could either make that job really easy on them or make that hard on them. So I guess the surprising part for me is that one, some people are just, they're not, they, they don't have the information available to them to make those decisions. And then the second thing is that, you know, sometimes some of them, they do and they just, oh, well, you know, too bad. And that's okay too. Um, but for me, it's, I, I want you to be, to be educated, to be informed right? Before you make any decisions as it regards yourself and your family. Yes. Are there any common myths in the estate planning industry that you want to dispel? Yes. That first one that I, I think we mentioned earlier, Holly, estate planning is for the wealthy. It is not. It is for everyone. Um, that's definitely up there. There's also the presumption that, you know, estate planning is for older people right? It's not, right? It's for even young families with young kids, right? You need to appoint guardians who's going to take care of your kids if something happens to you. And there's a presumption that, oh, my spouse is going to get everything anyway, so I'm just not even going to bother. And um, I actually had a situation where um, husband and, and, and wife were married for a long time, 30-something years. And dad thought that, you know, his wife was going to inherit everything because we live in a community property state. He didn't do any estate planning. And when he passed, mom thought that she owned the house because there was, you know, joint. And then when she, she realized that she couldn't afford to upkeep a 5,000 square foot house anymore on her own. So she wanted to sell it. And they had three daughters. And only at that point, which was a few years after he passed, she realized that she didn't own the house outright. She owned it with her three daughters, one of whom she was estranged from. And so that ended up being an entire, like, like a huge situation we had to deal with and, you know, going to court and getting that sorted out when that could have been avoided had dad been equipped with the information that, hey, your spouse may not get everything, right? So that's like, that's a common myth with estate planning. Hmm. And what does happen in that case where, you know, let's just say an estate plan is set up or not, but, you know, suddenly there are, you know, four or five owners of an asset because someone passed, then what happens? Then they either get along or they don't and we end up in court, right? So we either all agree that, hey, this is what we want to do with this, with this asset or and in that situation where that daughter did not want to sell the house, right? And, and I think she was doing it just because she was trying to be spiteful to mom, right? And so that was that's, that's a lot of conflict that's going to a court to, to compel a sale for a property and that's just expensive. Going to court is expensive, right? Having to resolve any kind of dispute is expensive, right? So that can cost a lot. 
And then, you know, a lot of people think, you know, I have had people come to me and say, oh, I have three kids and I want to appoint all of them equally to be my executors of my estate or my trustees of my trust and um, not understanding that that may be a terrible idea, especially if they all have difference of opinions and they all can't agree. I mean, that's a that's a huge problem. Right. So, again, it's about working with 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 an advisor who will be able to guide you through that and do what's best. It may not be what you think in your mind is best, but you need that professional advice and, and you know, to give you examples of what, what has happened. Right. What they have seen in their practice. You know, I find that there are those who just kind of sitting on and waiting create an estate plan because they don't really know what they want to do. And it just feels like an overwhelming task. How much of like coaching or, you know, supporting people through the process happens when, when people hire an attorney to create their estate plan? Okay. Great question. And I would say this, no two attorneys are made equal because everyone has their own style, their own way of doing things. For me, it's really, and you're right, you use the word, you know, coaching and really supporting your clients and making these very difficult decisions, right? Sometimes it's emotional, even for clients who are generally not emotional, right? So we, you have to make sure that one, you're working with an attorney who's going to sit and listen to you first, right? You need to understand families. Not every family is the same, right? Not every individual is the same. Some of them just need a lot more education, so for me, my clients meet me for the first time and it's usually in a two hour meeting, right? They sit with me for two hours and I ask them, you know, all of the things that I need to ask them. I kind of walk them through what the possibilities are. We talk about things about their families. I get to know who their kids are, you know, and I want to know about their personalities. I want to know if they're good with money. I want to know, you know, how confident that they, they are about making medical decisions, you know, things like that. And so we can kind of, you know, put something in place that we know will work and they're, they're making decisions, not just out of feeling, but they're making educated and informed decisions, right? And that's the key is being educated and knowing, right? You can't, you can't decide something without knowing, oh, well, I'm just doing this because I like this person. So I would like them to do this for me. You know, it's, it's really about understanding what the roles are and, and how important those roles are, you know, when the time comes and choosing the right people in the right roles. Yes. And what if someone does not have, for example, what if there isn't anyone that someone would trust to manage their money if they're incapacitated? Or what if they don't have someone who they would trust to make medical decisions on their behalf? What do those people do? For the financial stuff, sometimes we appoint a financial advisor. Sometimes we appoint a professional trustee, right, to manage the, the, the funds, right? And sometimes you're okay with that. Obviously, those things come at a cost, right? So we have to look at the cost factor as well for them. And then for the medical decisions, sometimes they appoint their physicians. They leave it up to their physicians to make their, their, their decisions for them, right? Sometimes it's just a, just a close friend. It's, you know, not even a family member. I know I've had so many clients who say, yeah, I would never appoint my mom to make this decision. She would be a total mess. And that's the truth, right? We have those people in our lives who are like, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, so there are situations where we can designate someone that is not related to us to be in those, in those roles. But again, that's, that's a cost factor. What I'm loving about what I'm hearing, Shalini, is that 
you have options. You know, if you're afraid of creating an estate plan because you don't know the decisions that need to be made, it's okay. You start where you are and find a supportive partner, a supportive attorney who will walk you through that and you'll become educated in the process. Correct. And then a major thing is that, you know, people come to my office when they come for their signing and I say, nothing you sign today is set in stone, right? I don't even give documents to agents when they've been appointed in a particular role because my client has the ability to come into my office the very next day and say, Shalini, I changed my mind. I want to appoint someone else or I want to revoke this. This is your plan, right? And so you, this has to be fluid. And so you may have appointed a friend who maybe in two years from now, you're no, you're no longer speaking to, right? But it's your plan and you can make, you can change, change the decisions you made. Nothing is set in stone. And then, you know, not only that, your, your assets may change, right? Your circumstances may change. The laws may change and your plan has to change with that. So it's estate planning is not something we do once and forget about it. We never do it again. Right. And that's why it's important to have that trusted advisor, to have that person, have that relationship from with my clients every three years, bare minimum, every three years, they will come back into the office and we will sit and go over kind of where we are, where we're at, you know, where, where they're at in terms of their circumstances and their assets. Is there any change in the law that we need to be aware of that would affect their planning? So it's, it's about making sure that you have the ability to make those changes and don't feel trapped you know, when you make those decisions, because a lot of people do. Hmm. You know, I heard a story about someone who had a really good friend who had a lot of money and he had said to his friend, you know, if I ever pass away, I want you to know that I've written you into my will and didn't disclose, you know, the details of that or what it really meant. And, and then this friend did pass away but then the will was never found. It just was never found. I mean, he had said he had a will, but nobody knew where it was. And so does a will get filed with the state or does it matter where the will lives? How does that work, Shalini? Yeah, that's such a good question, Holly, because a will does not need to be filed with the state prior to someone's death, right? Obviously it needs to be filed when we go through probate, but no, you can have a will that you drafted or you had your attorney drafted, shoved in the back of a drawer somewhere, right? Arisa Franklin, right? Had a handwritten will that they found in a notebook stuffed in her sofa, right? I mean, like this is kind of the crazy stuff that happens, but for me, it's about being a lot more organized than that. So we keep copies of our clients' documents and our clients has copies of, that, of, of their documents as well, electronically, as well as physical copies. And you are given notice that I am the attorney and if something should happen, you need to contact my office, right? So that we always have copies of things to ensure that that same situation doesn't happen, right? I've had a situation like that with, with, with a client of mine who came to me and said, you know, their dad had passed and she said she knew that he did a will. She saw the will with her own two eyes. He showed it to her. He died and she could not find it. And I said, we have to dig through his things. And she spent months looking through his assets, looking for this will. It was never found. We found a, a business card from the attorney who had drafted the will. So we contacted that attorney. That attorney never kept copies of anything, you know, as most attorneys don't have a system in place for that. And the attorney was like, yeah, I don't have anything. I don't even remember doing this. I, you know, it was like, it was like no help whatsoever. 
And we had to end up filing for probate as if dad had never done a will in the first place. Wow. And that was so that was just the money he spent on that will was just a waste. So moral of the story is make sure someone knows where your will is. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Or work with a lawyer who has a system in place to ensure that they will keep copies of your documents. Right. Wow. Yes. Well, I'm curious, and this is a question that we ask everyone on our show, Shalini, what does wealth mean to you? For me, wealth is more than just our assets, right? For me, wealth is our experiences, our stories, the fact that we've, we've been here. It's really our legacy, right? It's our insights. That's really our wealth, right? It's those intangible things that we get to say to the world, hey, I've been here. I left my mark on this world. So for me, that's what true wealth is. Mm, that's so beautiful. Where can our listeners find out more about you? They can find me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I, they can find me on my website. And what is your website? It's www. Codispoti, C-O-D-I-S-P-O-T-I hyphen law. I do monthly events because I am all about educating my community. So I do monthly events called Wine and Wills. They can find me on your podcast <laughs> um, if they need to find more information. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pretty much easy to find. I love that. Codispodi-law.com is the website and you host monthly events called Wine and Wills. Yes. What a great idea. I know. So we do a wine tasting and then I do a presentation because education is key, right? And these are complimentary. These are free events that you get to. So you do a wine tasting and then I do a presentation for you on what a will is, what a trust is, you know, what does that look like? What does estate planning look like? Wonderful. Do you have any final words for our listeners? Stop procrastinating and get a proper plan in place. Yes. Well, this has been such a pleasure, Shalini. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The Wealth Trifecta. If you loved this episode, please give it a five-star review and share it with your friends. Tune in again and find me on the socials at Holly Morph, where I share freebies, events, and inspiration. I always love to hear from my listeners, so please say hello. If you're looking for financial coaching, check out my website at financialimpact.com. Be sure to join my list and stay up to date with all my offerings, including private coaching, small group coaching, financial retreats, and more. Until we meet again, be healthy, be wealthy, and be happy.